This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show to be empowered with knowledge that helps you pack a punch in your wallet. My goal ultimately to help you keep more of what you make. Coming up in a little while, recently I told you about some practices at Best Buy and how rotten they're treating people on returning merchandise. Well, now I've got an update for you on other stores that have learned to be extra customer unfriendly when you go to return something you bought. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard, and I have talked at length about doing the testing that's done by Ancestry.com and 23andMe. I've been especially interested in the genetic testing at 23andMe for what they have told me about my medical outlook, what things I'm susceptible to, and very specifically, women now can find out from 23andMe the susceptibility they have to breast cancer. Um, I was able to find out what my susceptibility was to Alzheimer's. And so these tests are able to give you a a look into your own future. Consumer Reports does not share my enthusiasm about these tests, and that really understates their reaction. They are very concerned about a couple of things. First, they're concerned that the information may not stay private, that the rules are not protective enough of your information when you do these tests. And there's always been a concern about DNA testing ending up in the wrong hands. The second thing that they're particularly concerned about is that you won't be able to handle the information. And that's something I addressed with the Alzheimer's thing. If you didn't hear me talk about that, the 23andMe test said that I had a 51% chance of developing Alzheimer's by my 85th birthday. May I live that long. But anyway, before I could look at the results for Alzheimer's, there were two different series of warnings I had to go through and accept before I could see them. And that's because it's true. There are people who finding out information like that could become unnaturally anxious or uh, develop a wall of worry that is not healthy at all. I'm one of those people who can handle bad information. When I say bad information, information about me that's bad. Gosh, I said that completely backwards, didn't I? I can handle bad news. But there are many people who are better off 
not knowing. It was funny, in our pre-show meeting, I asked for a show of hands, who would want to know if there was a test that was run on their DNA that gave an indicator that they had a high risk of a particular cancer? And unscientifically, among our group, about two-thirds of the hands went up that people wanted to know. Kim, you wanted to know. Joel didn't. Why from each of you? I actually already have taken a test like that. Unfortunately, I paid way too much for it. It was before 23andMe because a lot of the women in my family have had breast cancer. So I had that test already and it felt like a smart thing to know and just be ready for. And what'd you find out? I do not have it. And you said, no way, I don't want to know. Yeah, I just don't know how much it helps it would help me mentally. It would help me overall to know if I have a predisposition. I, I don't know that it would change much about the way that I live my life now. So I, I don't know. Ignorance might be bliss for me. Well, I'll tell you where Consumer Reports came down on that. Like in my case, 51% chance. Consumer Reports said, don't take the data that you get that indicates you have an enhanced likelihood of something happening to you is baking into your brain that you are going to have that, that that's one of the big psychological risks. And Joel, you're obviously worried that's what would happen to you, so ignorance is best. Yeah, I, I just think it might cause me to worry. Plus, these tests cost money, man. I'm just going to keep that money in my pocket. Cheapskate. <laughs> Greg is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Greg, you want to see the country, see the world, and do it ultra cheap. What are you thinking of doing? Well, I'm thinking about house-sitting in uh, Hawaii, someplace with the beach, where you just show up, you house-sit while people are away, and you feed the dog, you go to the beach. I don't know if it's that easy, but... It's, it's, it's actually not that easy, although I do have a relative who did house-sitting for a while, and, uh, and it was a good thing for him. But that was way before we had all the capabilities now with these groups you can join that supposedly play a match game of people who don't want their house to sit empty and people who'd like a place to stay really cheap or free. Yeah, there are a lot of websites I've seen. and uh, They're, they're all like, yeah. uh, if I remember right, they're all like 100 or so dollars a year to be a member. Is that right? Yes. So the thing with any of them is, are people actually getting places to stay? Are people actually joining who have places they don't want to sit empty? And you can't go with the claims of the sites. Right. I I don't want to house sit in the middle of nowhere in Georgia or something. Not that Georgia's bad, but (laughs) Hawaii was my goal. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Hawaii would be a great place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were to really look around and see what people are saying about different sites, you'll come to the truth of whether one is one of just false promises or one where you might actually be able to travel and visit and stay in places for free. Yeah. It's not as likely in a second home community area like Hawaii. So much of the the housing in Hawaii is second home kind of properties. But the idea of of people who don't want a house to sit empty and make it prey to burglars or whatever, 
that is a real issue and a real hope for you that you might be able to get this done. Susan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Susan, you're trying to refi a mortgage, and you got some nasty news with that. What happened? Well, didn't we, though? Uh, Clark, here's what happened. As you said, uh, we're refinancing the mortgage in our home. Um, As part of the process, we had this appraisal completed, and we're in total disagreement with what the appraiser has listed our house at. And so I want to know, what recourse do we have to appeal this appraisal? Generally, lenders are not going to help you. So there was a lot of corruption involved in mortgage lending, obviously. It led to the financial scandals and the bust and all that. And appraisals used to be marked to loan, meaning that if a lender was trying to do a loan based on a home being worth, I'm just going to throw out wild numbers, 400000 And the appraiser knows, well, really, that home, based on comps in the area, should only be 360, let's just say. But that's going to mess up the whole deal. The lender would say, no, no, to make this deal go through, I need it to be 400. And then Mm -hmm. magically, somehow, the appraisal would come in at Mm 401,000. And so that was a huge problem. So now, as pendulums swing... The big problem is appraisals are coming in way too low. Hmm. So now what you do, and it all depends on the underwriter at the lender you're trying to do the refi with, Mm -hmm. is if you can come up with some documentation that maybe the comps that the appraiser was using were faulty. A lot of times a lender will be using a firm where the appraiser is not even local to your market and is just grabbing things from the internet mm-hmm. so if you have reason to believe the appraisal is incorrect and you can build your own case you then submit that now depending on the lender if it's a big if it's a big bank they're not mm-hmm. going to yield no matter what gotcha mm. is it a big bank no okay so is it a mortgage broker or a small yes. bank yes or, so if it's one of those there may be more flexibility, but you got to make that case. Have you been able to find comps that would support more the value that you're looking for? Um, yes, we have. Um, and, and the ones that the appraiser used uh, were, didn't even match our home. Okay, so that's what you, you go to the loan officer, you say, here's why this is a flawed appraisal. Okay. And here is documentation of what would be an accurate appraisal and then depending on the lender they'll either have a procedure to handle that appeal Mm -hmm. and maybe go back to that appraiser and say we want you to look at this again or the lender will say next meaning they're done with you and they're just like you go have a nice life (laughs) this isn't as encouraging as i had hoped but i understand what you're saying you you've got to do the work and show the initiative yeah i got it Okay. And well, do you have someone who can help you with that? Do you have a real estate agent in your neighborhood who maybe someday would want the listing on your home who would help you find some good comps that would support your argument? Well, I don't, I don't have one, but I, I'm going to look for one. Yeah, because they, uh, they get asked this question a lot, and it's, it's like a marketing thing for them. It takes up their time, but it helps build goodwill for future business. 
Patty's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Patty, you didn't realize it, but you now have multiple personalities, <laughs> different names. How many names are you these days? Uh, um, well, uh, just two, apparently. But, oh, um, okay. And is it good going through life with two names? <laughs> No, no, I don't recommend it because I don't know who this one is. What's happening? We started getting about four weeks ago mail getting sent to our address, but a different person's name. And it's not a previous owner because we've been in our house for 27 years. Uh um, And it was new when we bought it. We've checked with our homeowners association to make sure that somehow we didn't have a new person move in and just get their you know, street address screwed up. Most of it looks like it's junk mail, but I've had a couple pieces that look like in the window it'll say mortgage regarding mortgage or regarding property documents. And I'm just worried that I don't want somebody putting a claim on our property that I don't know about. All right, so the the potential, let's talk about the, the nastiest possibility, is something known as synthetic identity fraud. And that's where somebody partially impersonates you by basically using your social security number but a different name and the name they're using is what could be showing up on this junk mail coming to your house okay and with synthetic identity theft because they're using your social but a different name it takes a long time to catch up to the fact that you have been in a weird sort of way a victim of identity theft and the lenders don't realize it because they work just by number, and there's all kinds of layers that can happen. That is the worst potential thing going on. The greater likelihood is just some sloppiness in record keeping. So what you should do is go to a website, annualcreditreport.com. Okay. Free to use. And in this case, because this started, you said, six weeks ago? Uh Uh-huh. I'd like you to pull two of your credit reports now, pick any two, and then pick the third one a month from now. And they're free to get. They may try to sell you stuff at annualcreditreport.com, but your reports are completely free. Mm Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to see if any weird stuff is on your credit file that should not be there. Okay. Now, I have my credit frozen. So you still are able to see your credit file. Okay. I just didn't know if that if that would have it, helped prevent it or not. It would not prevent somebody from impersonating you, but it would prevent them from getting credit as if they're you. Okay. So if you pull the credit files and there's no weird stuff going on, then you just have to treat this as hopefully a benign mystery. Okay. And let's hope that's all it is. But if you get that report and it's showing an AKA for you of this other person's name, mm-hmm. that increases the odds that somebody is partially impersonating you. Okay. But with your credit frozen, it would just be something for you to be aware of because they can't do much mischief or almost any mischief to you. Okay. What a benefit to credit freeze I've never thought of. And we're going to hope that this is just an innocent, clerical kind of thing. Here on the Clark Howard Show, I'd love for you to ask questions any way you want, including getting off-air advice from a member of Team Clark. 
That's free, nine hours each weekday. Full details about how to call in at Clark.com. And you also can post a question that our producer, Joel, reads on the air. We call him Ask Clark. And Joel, who's our first one from? Clark, we had one from Linda and Tom. They wrote in about the same question. Uh, They thought that you mentioned a website that was an online dollar store, and they just couldn't remember what it was. Holler. H-O-L-L-A-R.com. Things are really cheap. Most things are 2 to $5, and you put enough stuff in your basket. It's free shipping. I think right now it's $25 for free shipping. A variety of items, and for people who, who like shopping online and like looking for the needle in a haystack deals, well, that's what holler.com does, H-O-L-L-A-R.com. All right, now says, I've heard rumors that credit card info can be electronically taken while the card remains in your wallet, and I've seen these RFID blocking wallets. What's your take? So uh, many people don't have any cards that have the RFID in them. You'll know looking at the card, it'll have like a three-half circle logo on it, and if it does have that, getting an RFID blocker is a great idea. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I am incensed and shared with you how angry I was at Best Buy. There have been a series of stories done by the Wall Street Journal about how retailers are putting people on a banned list who return items as per the store's policy. And Best Buy uses an outside firm that I told you about before that has come up with what they call a risk score. Companies called Retail Equation. And if you show that you're returning a certain number of items, whatever it is, you then are put on this bad boy, bad girl list, and there's no appeal, there's no due process, and all Best Buy does is tell you, here's the number you can call them and talk to them. And all Retail Equation tells you is to get lost, that their system says that you are somebody who's a problem, and that's the way it is. Well, now in a follow-up story... Wall Street Journal reports that a bunch of other retailers are now using this technology as well. JCPenney, Sephora, CVS, Vance Auto Parts, Dick's Sporting Goods, Home Depot, and Victoria's Secrets. Some will punish you specifically for bringing an item back just when you bring back multiple times without a receipt. But others... Even if you bring back a receipt on an item you bought, return it in good condition, return it unopened, you still can be banned. And you're not banned from shopping. You're banned from being able to return an item, apparently ever, to that store. And remember, these retailers are hiring a third-party company that is judge, jury, and executioner. So the funny thing is that some retailers will ban you just because 
you're returning a number of items. Not because they suspect fraud, which was the original idea of this, was to go after people who were stealing merchandise and then returning it to get cash for stolen merchandise. But now what's happened is it's like a Frankenstein's monster and retailers are starting to punish you even as a legit, honest person for doing returns. The only people who seem to be doing this in an explicit way, and I appreciate that, is Victoria's Secret that tells you what the rules are. You can return up to seven items in a 90-day period. And as long as you don't exceed that, you're fine. Others keep it a big, fat mystery, and you don't know that you've gone into bad boy or bad girl jail until after it's already happened, and then even then, they won't tell you why it is that the software decided that you were a bad person. Shame on all the retailers doing this, turning it over to a third party, and not being upfront with your customers with explicit information about how and why this information is used and how it will affect you. Ted is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ted. Hello, Clark. Ted, you got an idea about travel insurance that I fail to mention enough. Share that with your fellow well, listener, if you would, Ted. Well, I, I was wondering if there was a downside to it. I, I suspect that most of these people that are doing these travel are probably going to be paying for it in advance with credit cards. And most credit cards, at least several of those that I have, offer several types of travel insurance, including trip interruption, lost baggage, travel delays, and that type of things as part of the credit card benefits. And I don't recall hearing you ever mention, I thought maybe there was a downside to using that, those benefits on those cards. No, there's actually nothing but upside, and it's my bad that I don't mention that more often when somebody calls to ask about travel insurance. The calls have so much more related to the issue of what happens if you feel like it's not safe to go on a trip. And so my answer has been pretty focused on the fact that generally travel insurance policies will not cover that. And the credit card coverage won't cover that either. Understood. So what I've talked about as an alternative is that with buying travel insurance now, you can buy cancel-for-any-reason travel insurance. True. That's more expensive, and you end up eating 25% of the cost of whatever it is, and the insurance covers the other 75%. So you could just decide, you know, it really doesn't seem like a great week to go on a cruise. I'm not going to go. And you have no legitimate excuse other than just, well, I don't want to go. And then the insurance absorbs three-quarters of that non-refundable cost. Yeah, I believe that type of insurance is a good bit more expensive than just the... You are right. You are right. That not only do you only get back three-quarters of the money usually, but instead of paying a usual five-and-a-half cents on the dollar, you end up paying quite a bit more than that for that coverage. But you're talking about an option that's free, and the reason some of the... Uh, credit cards offer that is that they want to get the volume for travel because travel tends to be a more expensive purchase and they're getting a great 
uh, great discount, what they call discount point. They're getting a great rate from the travel supplier for that booking, and so they want those bookings. Understood. So, yes. But thank you because that is a fail on my part that I don't mention that. Well, thank you for all the advice you share with all your listeners. I really enjoy your show. Well, thank you, Ted. Uh, one last thing for you. Have you ever actually had a trip cancel and used the insurance coverage from a credit card? No, I have not. Okay, and I have, I've only had one time I've ever made a claim on a travel insurance policy that I had on a trip, and they wouldn't pay and got out of paying on a technicality and it was it was like what i hear about from people with the travel insurance that sometimes it the coverage is not as great as the policies might pretend but then other times it can be a real money saver having that in place in your case at no cost as a money saver shannon's with us on the clark howard show hello shannon Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Shannon. You have a question about your credit freeze you have in place. Yes, a question and a concern, basically. I've had a credit freeze for a while, and I'm in the midst of moving, so I was calling providers to set up new services, and one I called for TV service, and we went through the process, and as the guy was asking me questions, he said he needed to run my credit, so I told him I had the freeze, and he said, well, that's okay, let me run it and see what happens. So he was offline. He came back on and said, oh, it went through and you were approved, but as a high risk. So you'll need to put down a deposit. And I know I'm not a high risk. So I said, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, Let me check on something and call you back. And I actually called back later and was able to get the service without a credit report, I guess. But my concern was with the credit freeze. I mean, I'm going on to the assumption that I'm protected and nobody can open credit. If I had been somebody that was using someone else's information, could they still open credit under my name and my social security number if somebody just paid the deposit? What a wonderful question. You're only the second person who's ever asked me this where the other person actually did have a problem with a cable provider where someone had opened up an account as if they were them. Yeah. And it, no, I apologize. It was not a cable provider. It was a cell phone, cell phone service. Okay. And so there are services out there that are not true credit, but run your credit because they are extending you a certain amount each month, hoping you're going to pay your bill later. And utility companies, pay television services, internet services, cell phones, they will run your credit because they're worried what happens if you don't pay the bill. And so when you come back with them being unable to check your credit. They, in fact, may or may not require a deposit, but they will almost always have some plan where they go ahead and let you have service, even though you have your credit frozen. Oh, okay. The credit freeze is fantastic for preventing people from being able to open true credit accounts as if they're you. Get credit cards as if they're you, go into a retailer, and instantly be able to walk out with a flat screen TV as if they're you. Any of the things that are really nasty, awful, that can happen with somebody being able to impersonate you and get credit as if they're you. But it doesn't cover the whole waterfront having credit freeze. Okay. So if 
if the company you were applying to would have said, no, we won't do this, we won't give you any of our services until you thaw your credit, then credit freeze would work as intended for that too. Okay. But it's very common with optional things like pay TV or with, uh, instead of prepaid cell phones, a, a build cell phone service, that they want you so badly that they still will let you have it, even if you have credit that's not very good or a thin file or whatever, in your case, frozen. Yeah. So there is yeah. the, there is always the risk that you laid out that could happen. Okay. All right. But then usually when question. somebody's engaging and impersonating somebody, they're after bigger things than right. getting pay TV or whatever. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, I appreciate it. I'm sorry that I'm not giving you complete peace of mind, though. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. You have a question about your 401k, right? Yeah. I uh, was with the company for about 13 years, was pretty aggressive in my savings in my 401k. I saved roughly $160,000. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. And um, I changed positions to another company about three years ago. And after three years with this new company, I was fully vested. And I thought, well, let's roll over my old 401k into this one. And uh, when I went over there and looked, it hadn't really gained anything. And so I was like, and I was pretty aggressive. And maybe that's because I'm not adding to it and it is aggressive, I've lost, I'm not sure. I, To be honest, I haven't really looked at the fine details. But when I went and talked to them about it, they kept mentioning net unrealized appreciation. So I- All that means is that, that you've had, over time, you've had a nice gain in value. What you have in that, the 160 you have, is a lot more than what you actually contributed over those 13 years. That's what that means in English. I don't know why they'd use a phrase like net unrealized depreciation because why not just say, hey, you got a lot more than what you put in. Is there an advantage to that? There's, I still... The thing is, with the money you have, if your new employer has a lower administrative cost or management cost on their 401k than your old employer, it would be very much to your advantage to move the money from your old employer plan to your new. On the other hand, if the new employers, you know, the fees you pay for having the account, mm-hmm. if their fees are higher than your old plan, you don't want to bring your old plan over. Okay. So as far as the fact that you haven't earned anything on it in the last three years, I would love to know what you're invested in, in that old plan. And maybe if you find out the costs on your new employer plan are not a deal and you're going to leave that old plan there, you spend some time looking at the choices that you're invested in with that old plan. And if you don't want to spend time doing it, you could take all 160000 and put it straight into what's known as a target retirement fund where you pick the year closest to when you're going to retire because they come in five-year cycles and just put it all in the target retirement fund and let the plan administrator change how your money is invested over the years so it becomes more conservative the closer you get to retirement 
that's outside of my old plant. This target. Now, I'm saying in your old plan, they would in, in it. Okay, they would have a target retirement fund for the 401k, almost certainly, and you could just put all the money right into that and not have to actively manage that. But the very first option would be if your new employer's plan is a low-cost plan, just move the money and you have it all in one plan. Make sure the money goes straight from the old employer's plan to the new one. No check coming to you because the tax implications are beyond ugly when that happens. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Chris, you want to talk about your karma? I do. I do. Do you have good karma or bad karma? Uh, Well, that's debatable, (laughs) depending (laughs) on who you ask. All right. Um, Now, I'll just give you a call because uh, my wife and I, my child actually, uh, because of us, have security freezes on our credit files. And I've often heard you talk about credit karma, and I've checked them out. I... uh, started to sign up for the account and says, oops, you have a security freeze, so uh, we really can't help you too much. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on you know, either one or the other, or we don't use credit a ton, or new credit, I should say. But, I think uh, it's worth it for you to, do you have to pay to thaw your credit in the state you live in, or is it free? I do not. So it's if you free. can thaw your credit temporarily for free, I would okay. thaw your Equifax and TransUnion credit reports get into the credit karma system and then your credit can go back frozen and because you've already been validated they will be able to actively monitor your credit and your credit score moving forward even with your credit refrozen ah did i know that so just a temporary thaw and remember the two bureaus you don't have to do this with experian because they refuse to participate for whatever reason in credit karma but mm-hmm. Equifax and TransUnion, both you get to see the scores. I'm seeing right now that my score went down one point since the last report. I just pulled it up while we were talking. And so okay. you're able to continually monitor your credit health and see, based on your exact situation, what things you can do that will improve your credit standing, or if there's things that are pinching your credit standing, you'll be able to see how you can fix that. Sounds great. Thanks for the advice, and we really appreciate the radio show and all the stuff that you guys do. Well, thank you very much for saying that. We are very lucky to be able to do what we do every day, and for years I've had the privilege to be on this microphone, and I am grateful for the opportunity to do so and the trust that people have shown in me. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.